You're listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa, a podcast where we talk about what matters most, sports. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Time Out with Jen and Lisa. We thank you all for joining us this week. We uh, welcome our new subscribers and uh, people that have been checking out our podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying it. Uh, We have a really good time putting it together. It's kept our sanity in check during the uh, pandemic and the lack of uh, being able to attend sports, you know, really eyeing up some of these uh, kids' soccer games and little basketball games watched from the window. But um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to do episode 13. And uh, this week, we've got uh, some new topics to talk about. Uh, NASCAR season kicked off with the Daytona 500. Um, we told you that we cover every sport. We've got uh, the PGA Golf at a uh, pretty good uh, pairing on Sunday that uh, just uh, made me kind of chuckle and think of uh, golf needing a uh, an NHL referee. Uh, we'll hit on the NFL again, like we usually do. I think we can always probably talk about the NFL at any time of the year. Um, pretty much kind of the moves and uh, where we think people are going to go, what's going to kind of happen during the offseason. We've got some Major League Baseball stuff because, you know, pitchers and catchers started. So we're pretty excited about that. And, uh, of course, we'll probably finish it out with a little bit of hockey. I mean, who doesn't love hockey? So we've got a pretty full plate today. Uh, We'll kick it off with uh, NASCAR, the uh, official kickoff race of the season, the Daytona 500. It was in a, what, a five-hour rain delay or something ridiculous? Six and a half-hour rain delay delay on lap 15. Um, I was really excited. I'd cracked open a beer, and then it went into a rain delay. So I had to finish (laughs) the beer before it got warm. But it's kind of nice to have a beer and watch a race. But um, it was definitely... um, Definitely a pretty wild race. Um, I, I know it got over way late. I fell asleep. Well, it uh, ended after midnight. <laughs> it was definitely after midnight, and I was really trying to stay awake. And I was oh, like, please, you know, I, you were asleep by 10 o'clock. Should I try to make coffee? Should I not? No, no, I, I wasn't. I, I, It was maybe 10, 15. Maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, this year, I mean, for those of you that don't follow NASCAR at all, um, last year there was a pretty horrific crash with uh, one of my favorite drivers ryan newman um got up ended in the uh last last turn of the last lap and um doesn't remember any of it which is probably a blessing he's lucky to walk away from from the crash that occurred but he was starting um in the grid this week and he started in top 10 yeah, he he, uh, he was actually like, uh, was pretty favorable fifth, to come in. Uh, yeah, like top I five. he was actually my pick to kind of win, and um, then he got knocked out. But um, what I thought was kind of cool, I mean, the the car is really really beat up. I mean, there's really nothing left of it, and he actually kept the car, and he has it in a barn on his property and he goes out and he checks it out every now and then when he needs like a reminder, and it's not a reminder of what almost killed him, but how it saved him and how it really helped him respect life a little more and how it kind of put a lot of things into perspective for him um but it, it was it was really some crash well, the 2020 I mean, crash interesting uh statistics since Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death in 2001 mm-hmm. at this race yep uh no On driver has died during the competition in a race of NASCAR's three major series. So it just shows the 
uh, the safety value and how seriously they take safety in NASCAR. I mean, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. And they, unfortunately, we, you know, we lost a great racer in Dale Earnhardt, um, but his death did kind of pay it forward in all of the safety precautions that they have. And even Ryan Newman's accident brought about some safety uh, overhauls as well. And I recall the uh, announcers talking about his crash last year and saying, you know, if this had happened 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, he would have been dead. So the safety protocols in NASCAR are pretty amazing. They really are. And he, he walked away. I know, I know he was in a medically induced coma. I think he had just some really considering minor injuries. So Mm -hmm. it was really great to see him out there um, racing. He didn't make it very far before he got crashed out. There was a big crash um, pretty early on that knocked out a lot of the drivers. Well, I think it was uh, a 16 car pileup. It knocked out, uh, Nearly half the field. Yeah. <laughs> well, and half the field the f- was involved. And in the front, they were yeah. mostly your front drivers. So a lot of big names got knocked out. But I think what the story of this Daytona 500 is a man named Michael McDowell. Now, before this Daytona 500, I don't think a lot of people really knew anything about him. I didn't. And I'm not surprised. And I'm sure he's not surprised because he was 0 for 357 races across his 13 <laughs> Cup Series seasons. Mm. No wins and just three top five finishes in more than a decade uh, at the at NASCAR. Uh, but this past Sunday, the number 34 front row motorsports four driver opened his 14th season by pulling off an incredible upset. It was really incredible. Uh, he did it despite only leading the biggest race of the year for part of the final lap, which included a fiery eight car wreck. And he said he didn't know for the whole cool down lap that he actually won it. Yeah, because it, it was at the point of when the yellow flag dropped, and he was just a car length ahead of Chase Elliott, who um, I thought could have come away with the victory at any point of the race. So um, it was definitely nice. I mean, it, it, you know, Joey Logano was in the lead. Brad Kozlowski got up on him a little bit, bumped him, and Logano spun, and McDowell just stayed low and avoided it and ended up being in the front. Well, I mean, I, I give McDowell credit. I mean, absolutely. You know, yes, he may be 0 for 357 races, but he wasn't a lucky winner. I mean, he knew mm-hmm. how to position himself uh, during a multi-car wreck in yeah. order to, to to remain to finish high. So, oh yeah, it's not that he got lucky. He he knew how to navigate that wreck. Well, I mean, you know, he got lucky. He wasn't involved in it. Is more of what I was saying because right. he really could have been involved in it. So the way that he handled himself around that was was pretty impressive. And I, I mean, you know, a lot of the other racers have said that he's always up in the top. He's lot, usually up in the top what I 10. Read, a lot of the other racers were really happy that he won. Yeah. Like they were disappointed in their own h- how they did, but they were happy to see a guy like him win. Yep. I mean, everybody likes an underdog. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like rooting for the the Pittsburgh Pirates to win the World Series or uh, <clears throat> the, I don't know, Florida the Senators to win yes, the Stanley the Cup. Ottawa Senators in the Stanley Cup. So it was it was good to see. He's um, the eighth driver to win his first cup race at Daytona, huh. which is which is interesting. It dates back to Tiny Lund did it in 1963, Mario Andretti, who we all know, 1967. Uh, legend in his own right. Uh, Pete Hamilton, Derek Cope, Sterling Marlin, Michael Waltrip was in 2001 with the Dale Earnhardt crash, and Trevor Bain did it most recently in 2011. Mm. 
Now, I have like two things uh, that sort of popped into my head during this race. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know you had talked about this as well. The starting time. Mm -hmm. They started at 3.30. That was dumb. In Florida. (laughs) So What are they doing? 3.30. There was a crash on lap 14. Then it rained. So there was a six, at least a six hour rain delay. It's like after 10 when they started. I mean, basically nobody thought they were going to come back. I mean, uh, Jeff Gordon and uh, uh, Clint Boyer were both basically filmed their, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Video piece. And uh, they did come back. Uh, and the race didn't finish until after midnight. Now, I know they probably start the race at 3.30 for the West Coast audience because, <sighs> what, a four-hour difference? Three-hour Three difference? So I mean, that so it's at 12. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's for network broadcasting. I was eating breakfast watching the New York Giants play football when we were out on the West Coast. I mean, we're, we're East Coasters, so maybe we're just very spoiled with that. You know, things starting at 7, 8 o'clock at night, and it's like you're still at work at 4 o'clock, you know, on the West Coast or whatever. I get it. But in the same sense, it's a Sunday it's Daytona. Start the race at 1.30. And it was President's uh, President's weekend. weekend. A lot of people had off on Monday. Start the race at 1.30. I was really frustrated with that because you knew. You knew there was going to be rain. It's, it's Dayton- Florida. It's Florida. And it's Daytona. There's always an There's always going to be some sort of. At the Daytona 500. Yeah, always. Always. Denny Hamlin was the favorite um, he was to my win pick. that race. Uh, he started in 25th place and he ended up in 5th. So it actually kind of paid off for him that he was in the back when those big crashes occurred early on because he totally avoided them. And, you know, he ended up being uh, being right there at the end and held on and got a top five finish. Um, he was going for his fourth Daytona 500. Third. Third He was going to have the... So he would have hit the royalty of the trifecta uh, yes. of the... There's four men that have uh, have repeat three Daytonas. Richard Petty, Carl Yarborough, and Sterling Martin. I'm sorry, three men. It would have been four men. <laughs> so he, he was trying to join that quartet. And Petty has seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's the king for a reason. Definitely king for a reason. The other uh, sort of interesting sort of crossover news was uh, Michael Jordan's team. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, with Denny Hamlin and Bubba, and Bubba Wallace. Wallace, and you had uh, Pitbull had a team. That's with, right, uh, Pitbull Daniel had a team. Suarez. Yep, who yep. looked really promising. Unfortunately, was he involved in that uh, lap that, fourteen that crash. first crash. Yeah, yeah, and Bubba Wallace did lead a lap, so that was pretty cool. I think it. Was, I saw he was the first African American to lead a lap at Daytona. Yep, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it can encourage uh, more youngsters to. Uh, get I would into like racing. to see more women. I mean, we had Danica Patrick, but I, I would like to see more women racing. Yeah, we haven't had too many. We have a, we have a few more in the trucks. Yeah, there are several women in the trucks. The it's truck coming. series, but it's coming. Yeah, I think it's coming. It would be nice to see. I mean, I always think I'm in NASCAR when I'm on Route 78 or 95 or yeah. But you've lost your touch. I during have. The pandemic. I have. Yeah, we uh, we had to go to Northeast New Jersey last week, and, just outside of New York City. And it's you know it's it's an art. If you're not from this area, let me just tell you that it is like driving in Daytona when you're driving uh, in the that area and New York City, only um, with a lot more cars. Yeah, I mean, there's even people and getting less you know. train drivers. Yeah, but a lot of anger and lot no of fire anger. suits. Yeah, no fire suits. 
but you do have the bump and run and and <laughs> <laughs> you do have the bump and run and uh you know but no pit crews but uh it's yeah. an art it it's an art. art and i mean there really is the saying only the strong survive and i think if you've driven that extension of the the turnpike and you've survived it you've made it you know to well, your you destination. also have potholes roadside yeah, debris that's what I mean. like <laughs> only the strong survive but now, yes I, I mean i do feel like sometimes that i am uh i am driving up there um but yeah i mean it was pretty cool to see michael jordan have a team and uh but he you know there was actually another nba player that has a nascar team that was competing sunday uh he plays for the cleveland cavaliers and of course his name is escaping me but he also funds a team so michael jordan's the second nba -er to do it michael jordan he did grow up his family would go out to talladega and stuff when they were a kid they would take the whole day they'd go out there um so yeah it it was it was nice to see that that little crossover and it seems like he, he's really enjoying it so far. Well, my other issue that I sort of was thinking about during, you know, during and after the race is, you know, last lap crashes and lead changes used to be sort of an exception at Daytona 500. But I was looking at the numbers and over the first 57 editions of Daytona 500, there was a lead change on the final lap nine times. Jeez. So nine times in 57. Now it's happened four times in six years. And that's the only that's only the official lap leader stat scored at the start finish line. It doesn't count an exchange such as one year ago when Ryan Newman took the lead during the white flag lap and held down the point all the way to try oval before getting turned into the wall into his now famous crashes winner Denny Hamlin streaked by. So before 2017, no one had ever won the Daytona 500 by leading only the final lap of the race. Michael That's McDowell crazy. was the third. Now, Michael McDowell was the third driver to do it in the last five years. So it never happened before 2017. But in the past five years, you'd have three drivers. To well, do you it. had it last year because Ryan Newman was leading and he got flipped up That's in turn I mean. three. So Denny so Hamlin been, took it. In the past five years, it's happened That's three insane. times. But before 2017, it never happened. I say it's like a weather pattern. It's going to float on out. Well, that was my, that honestly was my question. Why, why is this happening at, at Daytona? Why are you having. It's a big track. The lead change on the final lap. Um, it's a big track. Since 2017. What has happened since 2017? I wonder if the cars have gotten closer, like in, in being able to sustain that. I mean, they did put in the, the sort of stages, right? And I think that's had a pretty big impact on NASCAR. Instead of it just being 200 laps, mm -hmm. it's stages. So you have 65, 70 laps. I think it was 65 laps, right, yeah. for each one. So it's 65 laps, and then you go into your pit, and then you do stuff, and then you go back out. So... I think there's more communication. There's more opportunity to fix the car. And I don't, you don't see cars catching on fire like you used to. Well, that or... <laughs> actually, it, it leads to why I think we've been seeing this happen since 2017. I think the drivers are getting more aggressive, I especially agree. in the final lap. And it's due to increased safety in those cars. Those and cars are so much safer now that we haven't had a driver death since 2001. The drivers know this. So they're going to really push it to the limit. They're going to be extremely aggressive in that final lap or final several laps to win that race. And it causes more crashes like Logano and Keselowski in this last race. And that enabled McDowell to win. So I think it's because of the increased safety. 
that these drivers have become more aggressive and more willing to take chances. And that's why we're seeing uh, <clears throat> people who are only leading in the final lap of the race winning the race. That's just what I think. Who knows if it's true or not, but... You know, I think that's... Um, I think that's that that's plausible. Um, I wonder if money has something to do with it, too. Like, I, I feel like once you kind of get money involved and you get, you know, more endorsements and things like that, things can get a little bit crazier. So I wonder if that plays a part, too. I mean, last year the purse was the highest in American motorsport history. This was in 2020. It was a $23.6 million purse. Uh, let's see. In 2018, the purse was $15.5 million. So that's pretty significant. <laughs> that's a significant well, that, that amount of money. that goes along with the, the drivers becoming willing to do whatever it takes yes, to win. Yes, because you and can And they get know more that money. the cars are safer that they can survive a, a bad crash. So I think they are real willing to push it. And maybe that's why we're seeing in the past five years, uh, three drivers who've won in the, by only leading the final lap. So you have this too. Let me see in 2020 Daytona, Daytona 500 teams can make between an estimated $2.06 million and $365,000. Other races historically have had a much flatter payout structure with payouts that would line up with the approximate estimates of $320,000 and $78,500. That's, that's pretty significant. The winner for Daytona 500 brought in just over $2 million. This is all 2020 numbers. The second place was $1.5 million. Third place was one. The 10th place, $470,000. That's a big jump. And, and so much can change... You know, if you're fourth, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you you could, if things happen the way that they happened on Sunday or last year, you could easily go from six hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars to just over two million dollars, mm-hmm. and and that's that's a lot. Well, and again, I, I think that's that's why these drivers are <laughs> yeah are willing to push. It's the absolutely limit. part of it. So. I I totally agree with that. Well, they're back at uh, Daytona this weekend for the road race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Elliott, I believe, is a defending champ at that one. Um, I believe he is, yes. Now, uh, hopefully we don't have another six and a half hour no, rain delay. The road race, I feel like it's never I mean, what's, quite as spectacular. I mean, it did give some of the drivers uh, a chance to get some fast food. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you had Chase Briscoe, who drives the Stuart Haas number 14. Uh, he made He made a quick trip across the street to get some Panda Express takeout. And Ross Chastain rolled through McDonald's to pick up meals for his entire team. Uh, he tells the... So it's in there's a video that they posted. He tells the McDonald's employees he races the number 42, the McDonald's car, and he orders six of everything and grabs a hot fudge sundae for himself. Nice. So I, I do love that the, the NASCAR drivers during that six and a half hours took the opportunity to get some, uh, some fast food. And I'm with Ross Chastain. I do like the McDonald's hot fudge sundae. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good stuff, the uh, <laughs> the hot fudge sundae. So that's that's great. That um, I mean, what else are you going to do in a six and a half hour delay? And they couldn't touch the cars. Nope. And they're basically just sitting that around. That was crazy. After the six and a half hour delay, watching all of them rush out to the cars and start it was right after frantically, that bad accident. They were <laughs> frantically even, like pounding out things and there was even a car still stuck in the mud. Yes, there was. Yeah. So it was really uh it was really quite quite a sight to see. So 
Yeah, so they're back there this weekend on the road course. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not really interested no. in the road courses that but much. But it was always Mark Martin's uh, chance to win. He has, he had three uh, road they course They always, wins. like, imported some uh, Formula One Juan driver Montoya. to, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or Tony Stewart, who Tony had a Stewart background. Tony Stewart was, like, a rock well, star. Well, he had a background in true, that. True, so. true. Uh, think, and, but Jeff Gordon has the most uh, road, road track wins, I believe. He has huh. nine. Well, yeah. I mean... Speaking of, we mentioned some big names here, like Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart. Uh, I'm, I have my thoughts, but what do you think, in your opinion at the moment, who do you think uh, is the best racer in NASCAR? Who do you think is going to have the best season? I, I think Chase Elliott could repeat. I don't believe in repeaters. Just ask I know. the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I know. I think he could repeat. I think it would be a tall, a tall task. Um, I didn't think Denny Hamlin was too bad. I don't really know. I think it's too early for me to kind of predict, but I have a feeling that you have a prediction. I have a couple predictions. Oh, okay, go. So you mentioned Chase Elliott. He's the youngest championship winner since Jeff Gordon in 1995. Uh, His nickname before that was Choke and Chase because he had a tendency to... uh, (laughs) To, to choke. Oh, directions. Um, but he destroyed that moniker uh, in the past <laughs> season. Uh, you know, he really knows when to put in a top performance when it's most needed. Um, you know, I think uh, he's going into the 2021 season as the outright favorite. Um, and I think it is going to be a blockbuster season for him. But I just, I don't. I don't like repeaters. I don't think it happens. You know, it just, to me, the odds are against you at repeating. Okay. So, yes, he's an amazing driver, and I think he's going to have an amazing season, but I don't know if he's going to repeat. Who who do you have? So, I like Kevin Harvick. I think Harvick, you know, Harvick did well last year, and I, I think he's... He was the, arguably the best driver in the 2020 season. Yeah, and I felt like he just didn't do quite enough obviously to get the cup but um yeah i could see that if I could his see form that. continues from 2020 i think he could he's got easily a great car be the 2021 uh champion he's got the uh, bush light he's got a great car I-, I mean last year he finished the season with a career high nine wins series best average position of 7.33 yeah, just not quite enough his <laughs> severely disappointing round eight allowed him to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory uh but i think if he goes into 2021 the way he competed with 2020, I think he, I think all the other drivers are going to be competing for second place behind Harvick. Yeah. I think also, you know, he's, he's older. He knows he probably doesn't have many more years of racing ahead of him. He knows he has a good car. I think he might push is, a little this more. This is his year. I think this is his I, year. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And you know, my other pick is Denny Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we uh, have two. <laughs> I have three. But, I said, but Chase. Harvick is right. Harvick's a good good selection. You can't rule out Kyle Busch either. But go ahead with uh with your Denny. Um, I think in Daytona, I think Denny Hamlin had the most dominant car on the track. Uh, he you know he talked about after the race some frustrations with being unable to take the opportunity to push ahead for the lead. Uh, I think he's also going to have a. a spectacular 2021 will it translate into a championship who knows um you know but i think he's another top contender for for uh 2021 i think that's i think that's legitimate but i i you know as i said i think 
the safest bet is Chase Elliott, but I just can't. It's hard for me to pick a repeat. It is hard to to pick a repeat. Um, but yeah, I, I think Chase Elliott. I mean, they are such a strong car. I mean, if they can continue and just be consistent like they were last season, well, Chase Elliott, he knows he, he wins when it's needed most. Yeah. So yep. yeah, he's, but I, he's I, become clutch and not choky. I think look out for Kevin Harvick. I think I this is it. his year. I could see it. So, um, we good with NASCAR? We got a. Um, I think Daytona. so. We're pretty excited about uh, the uh, the NASCAR season kicking off. Um, Lisa did get to drive in to, uh, a. Um, Lisa did get to drive in a NASCAR. Lisa's just sped around a track at 160 miles an hour. On it the, was awesome on the tricky <laughs> triangle at Pocono. Um, I believe that the driver said, give me the thumbs down if you want me to slow down. And he looked at him and said, yeah, you're not going to see that from me. Yeah, he said, uh, he said, if you, you know, if you're getting scared, you want me to slow down, just give me the thumbs down. Because, you know, you can't hear anything in these cars. And he said, uh, if you want to go fast, just punch forward with your re- your hand. And I, I Lisa looked at didn't him, even get out of the pits and she's punting her, punching her I was like, forward. dude, go as fast as you can because I love speed. You were passing cars. <laughs> it was amazing. We, I, I was surprised we weren't bumping and running because it was great. I was standing in the pits going, oh my God, <laughs> how fast is she going? And yeah, I think it, was it was 160. 167. Yeah. It was awesome. It was I mean, you are sitting in a car that basically is a steel cage and an engine. There is nothing in that car. Like, yep. you smell the oil and the <laughs> gas. It's loud. The thing's shaking. And when he hit the gas, you just go. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. I may be terrified of heights, but I love speed. Yeah, that was definitely your jam for sure. And then my brother-in-law did it down in Dover, which is a short track. Not the same. He didn't and get I to think, go as I fast. I think the cars, because he did the drive and the ride, and I think he topped out at 90, I think he yeah. said the cars topped out at. I mean, shit, I do that on 78. What the hell? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, NASCAR, we're excited. Um, golf. PGA golf. And we're Wait, gonna, we're going from NASCAR to golf? Yes. You know, fast sport. <laughs> golf cart. Golf cart. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> I mean, the way issue? I drive the golf carts, it is kind of like NASCAR. It is a little scary. You got to hang on to the ocean handle <laughs> when Lisa drives the golf cart because I'm like, can we really make it up and down that hill? Okay. I like speed. Anyway, <laughs> she's like, how fast does this thing go? Is it battery operated? What's happening? Anyway, so <clears throat> the golf this this weekend, it was uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Beautiful course. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that um, back in 2018 at the Quicken Loans National, there was a pairing of golfers, Soon Kang and Joel Damon, that were playing their round, and it got to the 10th hole, and Kang hit a ball, and it went out of bounds at the hazard line, and he came in, and he dropped the ball, and, you know, Damon was like, wait a minute. That's, that's not where the ball went out. 20-minute argument on where the ball went out so long of an argument and this never happens on the pga tour especially on on the final the final day the final sunday the the group behind them played through on on the 10th hole so there's a lot of animosity there um i believe kang went on and uh finished tied for third he birdied that putt he dropped the ball closer to the holes and dalman was was expressing his 
displeasure for where his ball placement was. Dahlman finished 23rd. He did say that he was, you know, pretty rattled after that because he had you know, a lot of adrenaline and he was upset and whatever. But the rules official said it was fair. Fast forward to 2021. Guess who's paired up on the final <laughs> Sunday? Kang and Dahlman. So I was pretty excited to see this. And I think they only showed a little bit of it, which I was kind of disappointed at. But um, yeah, it, and the, the sort of the joke was, because, you know, golf is such a reserved game and people respect each other, was that they were actually going to have a referee walk with them <laughs> for the entire the entire time that they played, the entire round. Uh, but, you know, there, there were no instances. It no wasn't like cuffs. It wasn't like they were even close to being anywhere. They had both barely made the, the final cut anyway. Kang ended up being uh, two over. He was tied for 63. Dahlman was one over. He was tied for 60th. So it was kind of a quiet day. But, um, yeah, I, I like that they, they talked about bringing in an official into <laughs> golf <laughs> for these two. Because, you know, you just don't see that in golf. And usually if there's a disagreement on where the ball goes out, the rules official comes over, they discuss it, they do the drop. And you move on. But this went on for 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah, no, that's unheard of. Where the uh, the group behind them played through. That just doesn't happen. So what is actually pretty cool is Daniel Berger won. He uh, shot an 18 under. He eagled the second and the 18th hole mm-hmm. on Sunday, which I thought was pretty, pretty incredible. He was seven under for the day. And it's only his second tournament back since uh covid pandemic hit oh, he didn't all right. play at all for the rest of last year okay um and he came back this year and this is his second tournament he goes out and he wins um on a beautiful golf course at the pebble beach pro-am what i was enjoying watching that was you know if you're familiar with the course you have the cliffs and then it goes down to a beach and then the ocean so all these people were on the beach because they're not allowed on the course because of covid right so all these people were on the beach uh able to sort of I guess hear the yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't to see, see it, but you can hear security it. all over. Uh, the yeah, place. they had a lot of security, um, and then there was even some like happy dogs playing in the beach, and so that was and pretty it's, cool. And uh, it's, I think it's a Genesis Invitational. Not sure where that one is played, but it's probably someplace warm, and hopefully not Texas, who's under snow right now. But um, yeah, it uh, you know Bryson DeChambeau, I think, has played pretty well there. Um, Dustin Johnson, I think, has played pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that one shakes out. But, yeah, Genesis Invitational this week. Um, that's all I have on golf. Okay. Um, Should we move on to the NHL? Uh, yes. Let's shift over to, let's see, we're doing lots of fast racing, slow golf carts, then fist fights in the NHL, right? A fast skating. It's an oval <laughs> rink, you know. It's true. It is fast the, skating. I have the big important question, the big issue, I think, in hockey right now, is the Golden Knights chrome helmets. Oh, Yay man. or nay? No. <laughs> now, uh, the, it's very hard to watch. It, it reminded me of, I felt like I was looking at C-3PO <laughs> with their helmets. Like, well, they also have, they have the gold uniforms as well. Yeah, but they were not wearing the gold uniforms. Uh, was it last night we had the game on or the mm. night before? Last night. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I get it from... <laughs> From a perspective of they have black uniforms with uh, gold stitching and then this gold helmet, but it's not even a muted gold. Like chrome. If, if no it one is has seen gold. it, it's like this C three PO. It's totally C three PO. That's that's the best <laughs> comparison 
that anyone could come up with. Now, it's like a C-3PO head. The, the Golden Knights have been one of the most oh. impressive teams in the NHL this season. Um, but they made big headlines last Thursday when they debuted these helmets. Man, it's I don't know who came up with it. But you know what? It's getting people talking about hockey, I guess. And You know what? If any team can pull off a, gr- a chrome it's helmet, it's Vegas. It's the yeah. city of bright lights, excesses, indulgence. You couldn't um, do this in Buffalo. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I, I do think, though, that it's got to be pretty distracting for an opposing team. I mean, what if the light hits it just right? It, it, it could be, like, blinding. When, when they when the guys were going over to the bench, you could actually see the reflection of their yeah. teammates in the helmet. But it was like watching a, a skating C-3PO. You know, I, I wonder. You actually bring up a good point. They have all these rules uh, for pitchers in baseball and about distractions on their gloves and things. I wonder... If maybe that's why they did something like this, because it it's honestly it's just, it was distracting to watch the game last night. <laughs> I was like I was like I'm getting a headache. I need to turn this off because it's like reflecting. Everywhere. I was waiting for R two D two to come out on the ice. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> wow, could you imagine Chewbacca as a defenseman? Oh, what is he like? Eight feet tall? Oh, at least. And he'd be on skates. He wouldn't need padding. No, no, he would or just knock helmet. everybody over. Be like, great. he would be the ultimate hockey goon. He's like goon. Zidane Chara. Oh, no, no, no. He would be like <laughs> the ultimate hockey goon. I mean, he would just knock guys down. It'd be great. He'd be like the Hanson Brothers. <laughs> the Hanson Brothers. <laughs> Slapshot. Yay. <laughs> I finally got her to watch that. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I I think that NHL's been, been moving along pretty pretty well, considering that, you know, a couple weeks ago, there were 40 games that were being rescheduled because of COVID protocols. Because but, of our team. I uh, know. Well, not all, because West got hit, too. Minnesota Wild got hit. We were ground zero, though. <laughs> we were. <laughs> and Devils were ground zero. We don't know how it started, but the Devils were ground zero for that. But they did come back, and they, they played last night. And they, and they one beat, day of practice. They beat our the horrible five Rangers 5-2. to two. If you're a Rangers fan, suck it. <laughs> She went there. She no went sympathy. There. Uh, she went so, there. you know, the, the Devils hadn't played in 16 days because of uh, COVID. Uh. <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You know, I, I thought they looked slow. And I was like, whatever. Like, I'm taking this game for what it is. But, man, the Rangers outplayed them up until the last, like, eight minutes of the game. <laughs> and then the Devils were like, well, I can't say that they took off, but... I mean, one of the uh, Chris Kreider, who's a forward with the Rangers, he said post uh, post game, he said for the majority of the game, they out hit us, out skated us, outworked us, and won more battles. They flat out wanted it more. But they were slow. I thought they well, so slow. were the Rangers. That's true. I, just you know, <laughs> we've gotten so used to watching Canadian hockey because they're the only ones that were playing for a while. That you know, that's true. I feel like that game is really fast. Yeah. I feel like those those games are fast, but you know I don't care. It was my Devils. I was excited. And they to have beat some the Rangers. Hockey. They beat the Rangers. Uh, Mikhail Maltsev had his first Yay. NHL goal. Was even, it his first? Yeah. Yes, first, it was his second. first NHL goal. Uh, even though it was an empty netter, but Who whatever. Cares? It's, it's a, goal. a goal. A goal's a goal, man. <laughs> um, you know our uh, Igor Sharangovich uh, had a goal. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Yep. Uh, my it, only my only soccer goal is a penalty kick. I say it counts. I never played soccer, so whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, who I was worried about because he had had COVID Stamina. and talk, he talked about how his breathing had been affected, but he had 37 saves. Uh, Sammy Votnin comes back on Thursday. He now he was out 
uh, COVID protocols and because he had visa issues. And so it looks like uh, the devils are making room for Nico to be, he's sure to be coming back because they moved uh, Maltzen to the taxi squad. Mm -hmm. So people are saying, Sure, you get your first NHL goal, and then you then get bumped. Moved. Yeah. But I think they're making room for uh, Heisher to come back. I haven't heard anything about him coming get back anytime upper, soon. Upper body injury, but I think he's going to be back soon. All right. Um, That'll be great. I love Nico. But yeah, I thought, you know, hey, the Devils looked rusty. Um, but, you know, hey, I, th I feel like under Lindy Ruff, uh, they play with heart. They play with passion. Um what I like seeing is one of my favorite players, Pavel Zaka, um, really talented player, just couldn't, he never seemed to take the shot in past years. Uh, he'd keep passing the puck around. This season, he's taken the shot. And la are. the game last night, he had one goal, and then it looked like another goal, but it was taken it was away. It was actually Will Butcher. It was yeah. a Will Butcher, but... It's nice to see him taking shots. Uh, it's nice to see the young guys playing with passion, well, they're shoot. They're putting the ball or the ball. They're putting the puck on the pads, which is what you have to do in hockey. Because a lot of times it's going to be a rebound. It's going to be you know bounce off the pads and you just sneak it under. And Lindy Ruff, his philosophy, and why I think he's an excellent coach for a young team. His philosophy is if don't worry about it. If you make a mistake, you're not going to be taken out of the lineup. You're you're going to keep playing. Just keep playing. Just get the puck to the net. Yep. So he doesn't penalize for making mistakes, which I think is important for a young player, yep. which we have a lot of on the Devils. Oh, we're very young. But I think we have a lot of talent, um, you know, and it's kind of fun to see. So they yep. did they did look rusty, but I saw a lot of uh, bright spots. Yes. Did not see any bright spots for the Rangers. They have no excuse. <laughs> um, they have Whatever. been playing. Um. <laughs> I thought it was amazing that we played, what was it? what did I say, nine less games or something, and we were only one point behind them? Yeah. They have 12. I think we have 11, something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. It was a nice win. And, I mean, the, the Eastern Conference, you know, the number two slot in the power rankings is Boston. I mean, we we have five in the top 20 that are in the Eastern Conference, which is, uh, which is nice. Um, now, I uh, – you know, talking about we talk about the Devils and how they didn't play for 16 days because of COVID. Another issue we have going on in terms of postponement is uh, the Dallas Stars. I'm sure everybody's been seeing the the horrible weather conditions and the power problems they're having in Dallas. Well, the NHL has postponed two of their games due to the storms um, because of they have uh, no. There's continued power outages, uh, you know, extreme weather conditions. Uh, so you have, not only do you have COVID, but you also have weather also interrupting the game. So this is quite a season. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't get away from it, I guess. You know, you just got to make, make the best of it. But uh, the rest of the power rankings in Northern League, they have five in the top 20. Montreal is now number six. They were previously Montreal five. is, they're starting to, they're fading. They're in my fading list. Yeah, I was really hot on them, but the last game I saw them play, I was not very impressed with them. Toronto is number four. Um, I hate to say it, but they, they're, they're starting to look like they're clicking a bit. Uh, the Central Division, there's six in the top 20. Tampa is number three. They've moved up one slot. 
Um, the biggest mover was Carolina. They're now number five. They were they were ten. I'm not surprised by that. Carolina's got a great team. They're kind of forgotten about because they are. of where they play, but they are. they're always consistently good. And West has four in the top 20, uh, and we had mentioned Vegas in their very, very bright golden helmets. <laughs> Uh, they are the number one in the power rankings, and I, I think that's well deserved. I, I, Which, they're they they're they're good. What's interesting about Vegas is they were this summer they were ready to sell Flory. Uh, they're ready to get to ship him off, um, but they decided to keep him around. Uh, Robin Lehner was their number one goalie, uh, but he is no longer. Flory has allowed just two total goals in the past three starts. And he is now the number one goalie again with Vegas. Um, so I, I think that's sort of interesting with the Golden Knights. Uh, they did just lose, I think, last night to Colorado. Yep. yep. Which, which they're, I think Colorado is starting to come back together. Well, a their bit guys too. are coming off an injury. Yep. McKinnon's healthy. Um, they're playing Colorado again next week, so that could be problematic. Uh, you know, you were talking about the power rankings. I have a couple of teams, I think to me are, are tops <laughs> yep. my own power ranking so to speak <laughs> uh boston the boston bruins oh, they're number two uh so they're, they're playing my devils on thursday mm. <laughs> uh <laughs> they are coming off their first loss since january 30th to thanks to the new york islanders uh, while the devils have played their first game since january 31st <laughs> on tuesday uh, after the Devils, the Bruins will head to Lake Tahoe to take on the Flyers. Lake Tahoe. Outdoor game. I think that's going to be pretty cool. But the Flyers are a team that just can't seem to beat Boston this year. Uh, Philadelphia has dropped all four games to the Bruins in 2021, with all losses being within one goal. So, you know, I think you're going to see Boston winning in Lake Tahoe. Um, but they're my favorite right now. I'm really impressed by them. Uh, another yeah, Boston's one, good. You mentioned it too, Tampa Bay. Oh. Uh, you know, you should be pretty bullish on a healthy Steven Stamkos. Uh, he's had eight goals through his first 12 games. Uh, yeah, he's doing well. You know, Toronto, Austin Matthews, mm. uh, he's the one to catch in the NHL's goal scoring race. I think he's got 13 goals in 15 games. That's pretty absurd. Um, now, one team that I would like to mention, how about those Chicago Blackhawks? <laughs> Uh, they won in overtime against Detroit on Monday. Uh, their top line of Alex DeBrincat, Pius Suter, and Patrick Kane is thriving. Kane's at the second highest point per game of his 14-year career with 22 points in 17 games. Suter's assist on the overtime goal in Monday's game with his 10th point of the season, moving him to the top of the league among NHL rookies. And Alex DeBrincat's game is much improved from last season. He's got 16 points in 12 games. Through his impressive eight goals and eight assists. Uh, the Blackhawks cracked the power rankings, the yes. top 16. Ottawa's in the bottom. <laughs> well, Anyone surprised? I'm not. Blackhawks have been bad for a while, so Ooh. it's nice to see them with some good young talent. Uh, they do look pretty good. We watched them good. play the other night. And um, yeah, you can see where they're still young and need to mature a little, but... And yeah, I think it, Patrick Kane good. is having one of the best seasons of he's his career. He's doing well so far. I really like I really like Alex DeBrincat. I think he's he's really good. And Pius Sutter is definitely one of the top NHL rookies. So look out for those Blackhawks. Watch them uh, crack the uh, top ten next week. <laughs> if you know, I mean, if they 
watch them win the Stanley Cup. That would you everybody know, put five dollars on the Blackhawks. Everybody Hawks put to win five dollars on the Blackhawks to win the Stanley Cup. Can can we short can we short trade it? <laughs> now, no, good. Go I ahead. was gonna say, did you know? Uh, probably one of my favorite NHL players, Connor McDavid, is coming up to a big milestone. And what is that milestone? He is one point from five hundred, tying Sidney Crosby in games needed for that milestone. Wow. So he will become he's one point from becoming the third active NHL player to score five hundred points in fewer than four hundred games and can achieve it in the same number of games as Sidney Crosby. Who's the first? It's gotta be like Well, I'll get to that. Somebody Do you want to take crazy. a guess? It's really obvious. It's who not it is. is it really Gretzky? It's really Gretzky. Okay. <laughs> it's that obvious? Wayne Gretzky reached 500 points in 234 games. That's like under, God, that's, what, not, that's like 45%, right? (laughs) Like, that's two points a game over. You only miss the shots you don't take. That's right, yes. (laughs) Now, do you want to take a guess who's number two on that list? Ovechkin. No. (laughs) I Uh, don't know. He used to be a fan of this team. Until oh, Mario? He, yeah, Mario Lemieux. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was uh, 500 points in 287 games. Holy cow. And what will Connor McDavid be? 500 points in fewer than 400 games. Wow. So That's the impressive. Oilers are hosting the Jets on Wednesday. Ooh. Uh, he could, if he gets a point, uh, he could reach 500 in his 369th NHL game, which would be the same number as Sidney Crosby. Well, I hope he does it just for that. There's a, He will become the 20th player to score 500 points, points in 400 games or fewer. Um, he'd also be the 21st NHL player and third active with Crosby and Washington Capitals Ovechkin to score 500 points prior to his 25th birthday. Wow. Ovechkin scored 500 points in 373 games. Look at that. So he currently leads the NHL with 30 points, McDavid. In 17 games this season, he's 24. He scored at least 100 points in three of the past four seasons. Uh, let's see. He scored 97 points in 64 games last season before play, play was paused. So that's why he didn't hit 100 points. Got it. Um, that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. So I would like to see Go him do it because I don't like Sidney Crosby. So <laughs> You want to see him tie Sidney? <laughs> I am okay with that. But yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Wow, but weren't, really that weren't you telling me about you're looking at a list oh espn put up a photograph of the greatest of all time because we're all talking about tom brady is he the greatest of all time and the big joke actually going around is you can't call him that until he wears a jets uniform and wins a super bowl with them but <laughs> I, I i do think he's deserving of that and they had like uh they had serena williams babe ruth michael jordan lebron james they had all these um great athletes ronaldo i can't remember who else was in there um but absent was wayne gretzky well, there weren't any hockey players. Yes, and that was going to be my next point, was totally absent. There were no hockey players. None. There were no hockey players. And to me, Wayne Gretzky, he's called the great one because he's the great one. Well, like he's 500 <laughs> points in 234 games. You know, and as you and I have always talked about, when rules are created because of a player, mm-hmm. you're at a different level. Wayne Gretzky, Marty Brodeur, Michael Jordan, 
uh, Dr. J? Didn't Dr. I think Dr. J oh. had a, um, or was it, um, was it Dr. J? Or was it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway. I don't remember. But there were definitely Michael Jordan. But, you know, when you get to that level, and there's Tom Brady has rules too. Most of those hits that quarterbacks take now, the flag's thrown because of the roughing the passer that was, you know, can't hit him above here, got to hit him here, that sort of stuff was all really because of Tom Brady. So you look at these these players. How do you not have Wayne Gretzky in the greatest of all time? Now I look at it this way: it, it, I'm not taking anything away from an NBA player. It is very hard to shoot a basket. But imagine trying to do something very similar while on skates on ice, getting hit and getting hit <laughs> because you're you know you get hit in, in hockey. I, I can't so even imagine, stand on skates. Imagine doing it on skates with the danger of being hit. The same thing. So I, I agree. I, I think it's it's they're really missing somebody in that in that um, little mural thing that they had. How, so, how could you not have a hockey player? Come on. At least put somebody, Bobby Orr, Mike well, Ruzioni, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. It has to be Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Wayne Gretzky, I learned about somebody um, this past week, probably yesterday or the day before. The Wayne Gretzky of women's hockey. Okay. Angela James, dominant force in women's hockey from the 80s and 90s. She was the Canadian hockey team captain, the first black captain of any senior national team. The second woman inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, the first being American Cami Granado, which is totally kick-ass that an American was first in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, you want to talk about rivalry, U.S. women versus Canadian women in hockey? Holy cow. Four-time IIHF World Championship, which is the World Cup of of Mm -hmm. hockey, 1990, 92, 94, 97. For some reason, she was left off of the 98 Olympic team for Canada. Nobody really kind of knows why. She was a dominant force um, in the game when she played. She grew up outside of Toronto. Um, let me see. She scored 11 goals in five games at the first World Championship of Women's Hockey. And she is just a rock star. That's the bottom line. I mean, she's she's done a lot now. She's now a referee in Canadian leagues, uh, but she's done a lot for youth in hockey. And I, I think she's a total rock star. And I really didn't know anything about her before because it was – it was Canadian hockey, and it was a little bit before my time of following women's mm-hmm. hockey. So, and you know, I just knew the Canadians as rivals. <laughs> so, Cameron Granano, I know her. Like she's you know rock star. Yeah, when Canada and the U.S. play in uh, international play, it's a bloodbath. Like women aren't technically allowed to uh, check, but there's some hard hitting in that game. Yeah, <laughs> which that's a whole other story. I, I don't get why women aren't allowed to 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 check because they're all big and strong have they you can seen these it. these women they are they can beat the crap out strong of powerful women they should be allowed to check but anyway and they uh, do have uh she does have an award named after her it's given to the canadian women it's in the canadian women's hockey league it's the highest goal score it's the angela james bowl is what um what that is called uh yeah i think she's uh she's great you guys should check her out 
it's a little bit of history for hockey and the uh, women's Wayne Gretzky, which I thought was pretty cool because we just talked about Wayne Gretzky. Well, there was actually just a little bit of hockey history in Canada the other day. Ah, yes. Do tell. So the world's longest hockey game uh, lasted 252 hours, and it raised $1.8 million for charity in Alberta, Canada. Yeah, Calgary, right? Don't they play it in Calgary? Yeah, uh, I don't. This was in Alberta. So they played in a bubble on the guy's farm. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So I'll get to that. To some guy's random farm. So hockey players in Alberta set numerous world records during a hockey game that began on February 4th in order to raise money for charity. Uh, the two sides wound up raising $1.8 million for cancer research that during the game that ended with over 5,000 goals. <laughs> the game took place on a 24-7 psycho, psycho, cycle for well over a week. Well, they are psycho. Yeah, <laughs> and cracked for the that world long. record at 6 a.m. on Monday with over 252 hours played. Wow. In total, 40 people participated in the game that took place at an outdoor Edmonton rink through record cold temperatures. The two teams, Team Hope and Team Cure, directed their fundraising efforts towards research at the University of Alberta in what is apparently the seventh edition of this marathon game. They surpassed their fundraising goal of $1.5 million. So the final score itself was 2,649 to 2,528, with Team Hope winning the charity event. Uh, the guy that uh, came up with this is a doctor named Brent Sake, Sock, who lost both his father and wife to cancer. And he started it in 2003 after his father died of cancer. Uh, to keep things safe with regards to COVID-19, the game took place next to an NHL-style bubble on a rural property that Dr. Sake owns with an isolated outdoor rink. There were no major injuries reported, but players reportedly had a lot of equipment break as a result of the elements reaching temperatures as low as negative 67 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so That's really cold. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep, so Alberta, Canada, world's record for the longest hockey game played. Look at that. Go ahead, Canada and your hockey. And it was all for a great cause for uh, cancer. I love it. 1.8 million. That's great. So... I don't think that, I, I mean, if anybody's going to break that record, it's going to be them because <laughs> they'll do it again next year, probably. Yes. Or maybe Russia, maybe up in the tundra of Russia. Nah, I doubt it. Yeah, it's true. Canadians are pretty passionate about their hockey. They're passionate about their hockey. And when we were in Alberta, Canada, the cold just does not bother them. Nope. They're out I mean, there biking to work and it's negative 10. And there's snow on the ground. Remember that? There was like a foot of snow on the ground. I it's admire like all negative of you 10 degrees and there's people biking to work. I'm complaining about 25 above zero having to go get the mail, which is like, I don't even know, 30 feet from my house. Yeah. And we're going to get some snow tomorrow. Oh, three inches. No, it's going to be like six to 12. Oh, did it go up again? Yeah, it did. Okay. Six to 12. All right. Six to 12. Ooh. Yeah. They would be out there yeah. riding bikes and like nothing stops them. Nope. I admire all of you. Yeah. All oh, of Canada. you. Oh, Canada. And you have a great anthem too. It's one yep. of my favorites. Yep. So. so we went from NASCAR to golf to hockey. To baseball. To f- baseball. Yay. Baseball starting. Take me out to the ball game me clapping i'm very excited <laughs> pitchers and catchers reported today yep. yep very exciting very exciting i'm so excited i don't even know what to say well i can start it off for you okay go so, for it uh, a couple things that i thought were interesting so the detroit tigers are considering using a six-man rotation 
for at least some of the season as they return to a normal schedule with a pitching staff that will include their best, their top prospects. Uh, so their GM, Al Avia, he spoke with reporters uh, recently, and he said that they've discussed the six-man rotation, just really getting through the season, having relievers mixed in. Uh, you might see more players being brought up. Uh, you need fresh arms from week to week. Uh, basically, it, it, it's just for trying to get their pitchers adjusted, readjusted to 160 game, 162 game schedule. And Detroit has several young pitchers um, who are still trying to establish themselves, whose arms need to be handled carefully. And so their solution to that problem is a, a, a six-man rotation. Uh, I think, to protect those young arms. Also, they didn't play a full season last year, so they've got to get used to that again. Uh, so that's their, their one I'm option. Actually, I'm not surprised because um, you, one of my hot teams that isn't, I don't think, getting the respect that they deserve, although I feel like they're getting a little more respect are, are the San Diego Padres. Um, they are number two in the power rankings going into the season, but they actually have a six, six-man six starting rotation. At least, at least they've listed that. We've got you Darvish, Blake Snell, Dinosaur Lamette, Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, and Mike Clevenger. Well, and also, I mean, you have Tampa Bay, who last year... They, yeah, that's uh, true. They didn't really have starting pitchers. They kind of just had pitchers that would start, pitch a couple innings, and then another pitcher would come in, so... And hey, look at that. It worked. They, they got the all World the way series. to the World Series. That's not a bad gig. So, and, and I, I could see that. I mean, they, you know, these guys have not played a full season in Act a year. Two, three, four... So, Five, six, seven, eight. They have nine listed in their starting mm-hmm. rotation depth chart. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they've got young pitchers. You don't want to blow out those arms. Yeah. You want to get these guys readjusted to 162 games schedule. So I can I, I see why they're making that decision. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Oh wow, they have nine. I wouldn't even know where to start. And they have four catchers. Jeez. <laughs> Sounds like an awful lot. Uh, so <laughs> a move that was talked about, uh, I think maybe we talked about it in our last podcast, was uh, Chris Bryant going to the Mets. Oh, yeah. I, th- I don't think that's going to happen anymore. <laughs> no. So when speaking to reporters on Tuesday, Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, shot down recent reports connecting the Mets to Chris Bryant. Well, which means it's probably really going to happen. Uh, I think what <laughs> I think what Chicago's gonna do with him. At first, I thought the same thing, but I think what they're gonna do with him because he had such a bad 2020 season. I think he only batted like 206. Yeah. So he's not. If you look at his value, he's not worth a lot. I think what the Cubs are gonna do is they're gonna hope he rebounds in this uh, first half of the season and trade him at the deadline. See what you maybe because I think they're they're thinking his value is gonna go up. Sounds like the Yankees and Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I so, don't know. I don't know how happy he is there. I mean, I think sometimes that's a risk. That's a really risky business move. Like you can try. I mean, it's so hard to tell. Like how people thing, he, are going to perform. He's going to earn nineteen point five million in twenty twenty one. Then he'll be a free agent. So if if they don't trade him now which I don't think they're going to do. I think they're going to try to see if he rebounds, which I think he will from his 2020 numbers, and then put him out there at the tra- trade deadline and get more. Yeah. Because I don't think the Mets were going to give up that much to get Chris Bryant in looking at what some of the deals were. Okay. So. 
I think that's uh, so. I think that's a no go. I think Let's, he's staying. We'll with have the to cops. keep an eye on it and see if it pays off in the end. Uh, another transaction that happened was Justin Turner. Re- he finally committed. He's returning to the Dodgers. He's getting a two-year, $34 million deal. I think it's too much. Wow. <laughs> There's a club option for a third season. Uh, wow. His contract is the largest guarantee for a free agent position player, 36 years or older, in the first yeah. year of deal. Since Victor Martinez, four-year, $68 million contract with the Detroit but Tigers He was a DH. Victor Martinez. He could still hit home runs in 2014. Turner has been a mainstay with the Dodgers since he signed with the club as a free agent in 2014. Uh, He had good numbers in the abbreviated 2020 season. Uh, But I think his offensive production has dropped. it's, It's been slight, but it's been on the decline for the past two years. He's had some injuries. Um... I just feel like that's a lot of money. I think it's a lot of money. For Two him. years, thirty-four million dollars. Thirty-six-year-old guy on the decline, and and don't forget what happened at the end of last year. Oh, when he was running around without a mask on after he got tested he tested positive, positive for, COVID. for COVID, and then but he ignored that and ran onto the field to celebrate with his teammates. He's a team player. Yeah, that. I don't know. You know what? The Dodgers love to make wonderful moves like that. So go ahead, keep them. They're still the number one in the power rankings. Padres the Dodgers two. will not repeat. Absolutely not. Yankees are three. The Yankees will not win. Braves are four. Mets are five. Blue Jays, who are kind of my sleeper AL East team, uh, are number eight. The only thing that's going to hurt the Blue Jays is their starting rotation. Eh. Eh. Lots can happen. Number 30, do you want to take a guess at who the bottom team is for... The Marlins. Incorrect. No, they're actually decent. Uh, okay. Um, you are not even in the right geographic region. <laughs> Am I in the right uh, division? Uh, yes. So it's National League. Yes. Uh, I'd like to say the Phillies. <laughs> nope. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. You were very close. You had the other end of the turnpike. <laughs> So, yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates are 30. They, they've given up a ton of people. They haven't really made any moves. Um, I am not really sure what's happening in Pittsburgh. Um, but they only care about football in Pittsburgh and hockey? Potentially. So potentially. You said that the Dodgers are number one in the power, rank, power rankings. Uh, Preseason pe- power rankings. Uh, but there has not been a repeat World Series championship since 1999-2000. Yankees. The Yankees. Three-peat baby <laughs> don't you forget it uh, you know i the dodgers I, again i don't like picking repeats uh, i i think i just don't see it uh but they have three viable cy young contenders in their rotation and kershaw nope walker bueller and nope. trevor bauer. reigning cy winner trevor bauer boo <laughs> padres uh, Padres. They're Padres to, are winning the National they're League They're four West. to six starters are Julio Urias, Dustin May, David Price. They've got a really good bullpen. Uh, position players, two MVPs and Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. They got Corey Seager, Will Smith. Uh, you know, if you look at them purely on paper, they should repeat. But I, I just, I well, don't if see. If you look at the Yankees, they should have won the last, like, how many years and they haven't. I mean, I, I just see it as... I. I don't. I don't think they're going to repeat. 
Um, I think some of the best baseball you're going to see, though, is the NL West. I think between the number oh, one and number two yes. team, between the Dodgers and the Padres. The fact that they're one and two going into the season in the power rankings, I, I was actually giddy with excitement when I saw that. I'm pretty excited by that. I mean, they've got amazing young talent. Uh, they signed or traded you Dar- to get you Darvish, mm-hmm. Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Mark Melicone, and Ha Seung King. Uh, you know, they, they have Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. I, I mean, they're loaded offensively uh-huh. and defensively. So. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be some inter- that's going to be an interesting rivalry out there in the NL West. I'm really excited. Um, you know, I agree with you with the Atlanta Braves. Um, if you look, you know, if Mike Soroka comes off of uh, healing after that Achilles surgery, their healthy rotation is Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, uh, Drew Smiley. Uh, they've got Marcelo Zuna back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, and he'll be healthy. Yep. So, you know, I like the Braves. I mean, I hate to say it, but I like the Braves. <laughs> the New York Mets, uh, there's some legitimate World Series uh, level upside with the offense and rotation. I think Noah Syndergaard's return is an, is an it sort of presents as an X factor, I think, depending on his performance this season. I'll uh, tell you, I think I, I do think that Noah Syndergaard is kind of – your make or break this team for I the absolutely rotation. agree absolutely agree he's my x factor his performance because i mean if you look at it he's he's gonna be what your number two and stroman your third you think it'll be Degrom. we have Degrom, carlos carrasco marcus stroman uh carrasco will be your fourth stroman maybe your third Syndergaard your second Degrom your first yeah and i think if if he can capitalize off of Degrom's ability to keep low scoring games, and if, if you can pitch back to back, because Stroman is Stroman's strong. I'm a big Marcus Stroman fan. I am too. I'm glad that we held and on to him. I like Carlos Carrasco. He's on my keeper fantasy league. I like him. I he's think dependable. he's going to do well. I mean, he may end up in the bullpen, but. Um, well, see, that's the other. I think that's, that's the Achilles heel hurt. of the Mets is the bullpen. Is our bullpen going to be reliable God, enough? Move Seth Lugo into the closer role. Uh, well, well Seth Lugo is hurt. Oh, that's he's out. Right. He had to have he's surgery. Out. That's right. So we've got Trevor May, Edwin Diaz, Miguel Castro. Yikes! Strikeout happy relief pitchers. Patances and Familia are on the uh, block. I know. Oh, get rid of both of them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be nice to see. I don't the think Mets. there's going to be any concerns with our offense with the addition of no, Francisco Lindor, James your pitching, McCann. I think. Um, I think it's your pitching. I, I'm, but I, I do think that there's there's a player that the Mets could go after. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is still out there, and I don't quite understand why he's. I don't getting, see it happening. I don't he's see an it incredible, happening defensive center fielder we have a lot of outfielders that's though. that's why i'm like uh, would the mets take him or not i just don't see that happening giants or astros maybe yeah kind of seem like good landing spots for him but i know the mets did talk to him i don't know if they've pulled back those since, those um, rumors kind of and Villar got um yeah. got signed and those rumors kind of died down about jackie bradley jr 
He's good. He I, is good. No, he could end up back in Boston, but I, I think he is going to end up back in Boston. I don't want him back in Boston. It doesn't I want matter. Him to go to and the I don't Giants. think you have to worry about Boston this year. I think you have to worry about <laughs> Toronto. I know. I, I do agree with that. Whatever. I mean, Toronto that, with that with that ro- starting lineup plus the addition of George Springer. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's they're number eight on the depth chart not in, or the uh, power rankings. I don't quite see that. Uh, they I think, just. I think they should be above the Mets. I think they have better pitching. Toronto? No, I think the Mets have better starting pitching uh, than Toronto. We have DeGrom. He's two Cy Young winner. If Syndergaard doesn't show up, then... But, I mean, I agree with you. Syndergaard is the X factor. But uh, Toronto having better starting pitching than the Mets, I, I think you're smoking crack. Okay. It's good crack, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. Uh, I do have a, a, a bone to pick with your Yankees. So do I. Go ahead. Brett Gardner. They're not going to sign him. Brett Gardner was the They're Yankees' third-round pick in the 2005 draft. Debuted in pinstripes in 2018, has been in the Bronx ever since. He is the last remaining player with the Yankees from their last championship team in mm-hmm. 2009. He's, uh, you know, he plays sterling outfield defense. He has a, three, a .354 on-base percentage. He's still a free agent, and I think it's nonsensical that the Yankees haven't found a way to bring him back, and not just for sentimental reasons. They're desperately lacking for lefty bats. The only lefty bats they have on their 40-man roster are backup first baseman Mike Ford, spare outfielder Mike Talkman, utility man Tyler Wade, and outfield prospect Estevan Florial. They have switch hitting center fielder Aaron Hicks uh, and... Lefty Jay Bruce on a minor league deal. Uh, they've got to re-sign Gardner. Uh, he fits in with the Yankees as a backup center or left field. He's a lefty bat that can come off the bench when you need a base runner more than a hit. Than a, I'm sorry, than a home run. Uh, the team's top outfielders, Hicks, Aaron Judge, Stanton, Clint Frazier, they're all regular visitors to the injured list. Um I think if the Yankees don't bring back Gardner, there's going to be a time this year when they wish they had. I agree. And when you, I don't think they're going to sign him, though. When you add his connection to the franchise with an organization that supposedly cares about tradition and championship lineage, it is insane to think that Gardner's not getting ready to report to camp with his Yankee teammates right now. I agree with you. I think, um, I think they should sign him because I, I agree our players can't seem to stay healthy for a full season you don't have any lefty bats and we have two lefty bats three lefty bats i agree but i don't i just I and don't I, i'm sorry but their to. their financial constraints argument is ridiculous they're the yankees for god's sakes yeah but they they're number two in in salary i think they're the yankees yeah but they're not bringing fans in you're not paying 250 dollars a ticket to sit in the second and level. And eat a $40 hot dog and drink an $18 beer. <laughs> I mean, you can't even afford the seats down by the field anymore. But I just look at what Brett Gardner brings to the team, and I think it would be a huge mistake not to re-sign so him. So let's shoot back several years to Bernie Williams. It's the same damn thing. No, I agree we with you on Bernie Williams. We lost a good leader. Sentimental favorite. I mean, all they favorite. had to do is give him a one-year deal, and he would have retired as a Yankee. And Gardner's 37. I think give him another year with the Yankees. They need his lefty bat. They need him as a backup outfielder because, let's face it, 
we're probably going to be watching Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton in, in Somerset, Somerset yep. when they are rehabbing. Uh, he can still run the bases. He can hit. Just I, I know. I agree. But they're not going to sign him. I don't see it. I, I mean, for a team like the Yankees that always talks about tradition, this guy is a Yankee, true and true. Yep. So I, I think they're just... They're idiots for not re-signing him. You're not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. I see alone. you are not disagreeing with me. No, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. You got anything else for Major League Baseball? Um, that's pretty let's much see. it. Sign Brett Gardner. Any other bones to pick with the Yankees? No, that's my only bone to pick with the Yankees. Uh, hey, you know what we didn't hit on that we'll hit on really fast because we've been we've been chit chatting a long time. The NFL, JJ Watt. J.J. Watt is going to go to Green Bay. He's a Wisconsin boy, and I think he would be really happy to go back to I Wisconsin. agree. I think he's going to Green Bay. I don't think he's going to Pittsburgh with the um, with his two other brothers. There's a lot of salary issues in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there's a lot of salary issues. There, I was really excited for a little bit because there was talk of him going to the Bills. And I was like, oh, my God, could you imagine if we had J.J. Watt? Like, but, yeah, but um, the, that Bills, fell through. the Bills are having salary issues as yeah. well. And the Browns w- was another potential. But mm. I-, I see Green Bay. I see Green Bay for sure. I see Green Bay. I also see Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is a good possibility. Yeah. I-, I could see that. Um, Carson Wentz for Nick Foles. I see that unfolding at some point. Um, and do you know who I think might also be part of that? Zach Ertz. Yeah. So I, see, I see Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz going to Chicago for Nick Foles. And, and who, who else? knows? Picks or Trubitsky? I don't know. Probably picks. Tyreek Cohen? Tyreek Cohen would be nice for the Eagles. Because if you're going to give uh, a quarterback and a, a tight end, a tight end, you want some offense as well as a quarterback yeah. in return. Tyreek Cohen wouldn't be bad. It, so that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, I know we've talked a lot about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out there in San Francisco. And I was I was on the same train you were that he was going to be gone this season. But, you know, I, I'm kind of rethinking that. I think the Niners are going to give him another year. Okay. If you look at his numbers, he's 22-8 and eight with the 49ers. I think last year he just, you know, he was hurt. Yeah, I think it's going to be one more year. The, the big telling piece of Jimmy Garoppolo, and this was a pretty stunning stat for me, He's missed 26 of the 56 games. 26. That's almost 50% of the games he's missed for being injured. So he's missed either a full season or half a season since his time in San Francisco. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. So I know there are teams that are interested in him right now, but I think San Francisco is going to keep him well who do they have as an option they really don't and i I think they'll probably draft somebody yeah um in in the upcoming draft or they'll they'll try to trade up to Mm -hmm. get a quarterback because there's a lot of good quarterback talent in this draft even way down even way down in the 20th 30th pick they're good quarterbacks so i i think um i think they're going to keep him for at least another year i think he's got three more years on his contract i think and i think you may be right about deshaun watson i think he's going to be a panther Carolina. <laughs> I think he's going to be a Panther. I agree with that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. Watt ended up there too. What do you think? Um, I don't see it. You don't, I, see, I don't it? see it? You still see him in uh, in Green Bay? I, I see him in the Midwest. Okay. All right. I think that's fair. Green Bay or Chicago. Yeah, I think that's fair. So uh, we uh, 
I think that's about it, right? That's all we got this week? I got nothing else. I don't know. We blabbed on long enough, so uh, hopefully you all stuck out to the end. Uh, we really appreciate it. We do have a website, which I probably should have promoted at the beginning of the podcast, uh, timeoutwithjenlisa.com. Uh, go ahead and check it out. We have all our podcasts up there. We've thrown up some pictures. It's kind of a work in progress, but um, we've got a ton of social media and stuff. So definitely follow us, like us, spread the word about us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We uh, will talk to everyone next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anchor.fm slash timeoutjl, and also on Spotify.